Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Central Texas Living with Ann Harder. Hello, everybody. Ann Harder here. Football season finally over. We know who the national champion is. But uh, we're going to take a deep dive into the world of officiating college games. And joining me now is Chuck Lewis, who is a member of the Southeastern Conference elite group of officials who make that final, final, final review of a questionable call. You work in the Collaborative Instant Replay Center, correct? That is correct. From Waco, Texas to Birmingham, Alabama, how in the world did that happen, Chuck? Long story. Uh, I was on the field for 26 years, and uh, generally speaking, around the age of 60, they want you to come off the field, plus or minus a few years. Mm -hmm. And about four years ago, I was approached, would I ever want to come off the field? And unequivocally, I said no. Uh, you just loved it. Just loved it. Mm -hmm. It was my uh, therapy. It was my hobby. It was something that kept me uh, active, kept me in shape, kept me healthy, kept me watching my health. And uh, some of my greatest friends are who I went to battle with on the field. An opportunity presented itself to go into replay in the Southeastern Conference, and it was something that I wrestled with, prayed about, talked with my wife about, and ultimately we decided that um, the opportunity just occurred three or four years earlier than what we had anticipated uh, something like that to be presented, and uh, I jumped on it, and it's been better than what I thought it would be. Okay, well, let's, let's go back. I love your story about how you even got into to football to begin with. You were not a player, but let's talk about your folks. Your dad sort of led the way. Yeah, I, I never uh, – I'm 6'1", uh, I'm 158 pounds soaking wet if you threw me into a swimming pool. But an all-star tennis player. I mean, big-time tennis player. I played a little tennis, uh, <clears throat> and that's what I uh, really enjoyed. So, mm -hmm. so I was a tennis player in yeah. high school and college. Yeah. Um, getting out of college, um, I, I, I worked at a bank, uh, one block from here, by the <laughs> way. And uh, one of my clients was a um, football official, college football official, and he assigned all of the officials here in town. And oh. one day he came into the bank and said, we, we have a shortage of officials. We need help. Um, try it for one year. And I was uh, 25 years old, 
single, never been married, no kids. And I said, you know what? I'll try it. Yeah, sounds like a fun hobby, you know? My earliest, fondest memories of just sports were with my dad. Mm-hmm. And, and um, my parents were school teachers. They're retired now. But um, one of the things that my dad uh, did to supplement income on a teacher's salary was he was the public address announcer on Friday nights at Paul Tyson oh, yeah. Stadium. Oh, yeah. We've all been there. We all know where it is. Oh, yeah. And uh, as a five-year-old, if I was really, really good in a, in a week, he would take me on Friday nights with him to the games. And uh, I would uh, just get to hang out mm-hmm. in the press box. Oh, my. And that was just the neatest thing for a five-year-old to, to be able to go to an electric stadium uh, with all of the emotions that go into a Friday night football game here in Texas and, and to be with your dad. And that was neat. I had a younger brother. He was two or three uh, at the time. And so, you know, it allowed he and I to go do something, my mom and and my brother to, to hang out at home. And so I, I, my earliest memories that, that I think got me into football officiating were the memories that we created on those Friday nights of, of, of being in the press box, of, of watching the games, of learning uh, the strategies of offense versus defense and special teams and who made the tackle and who scored a touchdown and skill players and linemen and and, and football officials. Mm-hmm, the but officials. I, but I'll never forget just the, the electricity of going down on the field before a game with him. Um, as the public address announcer, he would, he would go on the field before the game and, and talk to each one of the head coaches and get their starting lineups. Mm-hmm. And that was the greatest five or ten minutes of a five-year-old's life was to walk on the grass with your dad to, to be in the locker room or to be on the field while they're warming up. And so still today, if I'm uh, at a stadium or on the field or just little bitty things will bring me back mm-hmm. to, to my, my dad and I doing that at a, at a young age. So that's, that's really what got me into it. Well, you're, the beginnings were somewhat humble, though. Didn't you start out calling junior high games? I did. So <laughs> uh, when uh, Pete Mejia, uh, who was the official that got yeah. me uh, into it, uh, Pete um, started me out in uh, junior high games. And you start out calling seventh grade B-team <laughs> junior high games on Saturday mornings. Yeah. Um, and so uh, you, you do start off um, with some pretty tough assignments and uh, how are the how are the parents on the sidelines well I, I i jokingly tell people today that it's 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 easier to call an sec game than it is to call a seventh grade b game with some of the mamas on the sidelines <laughs> I bet that's right. uh but but uh you know it's just uh you, you learn a lot you, yeah you, you learn uh, people skills you learn communication skills you, you learn uh what to call you learn what not to call you learn dealing with irate coaches you learn about being a role model kids. Um, and so it's, um, it, it's a tough place to start, but it's the best place to start. And so from then there, you would progress up to 
sub-varsity games, and, and then your ultimate goal as an, as an official, uh, you know, when you're here in Texas is to call varsity, you know, football on Friday nights. Oh, because Friday there's night just lights, yeah. nothing that compares. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been all over the United States and watched football on Friday nights when I would call in other states and other areas, and there's nothing like Texas football. So how did you become a national official to, to go to other states? You know, it's, it's almost like anything there. There's, uh, they get your name. There's, there's, (laughs) there's a lot of fortitude. There's a lot, there's a lot of fortitude and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of luck involved in it. Uh, you work your way up. Um, I went from high school to a junior college crew Mm -hmm. that, that, that were some guys here in Waco had, from there, I got picked up um, in the uh, in the Lone Star Conference, um, and then from there got picked now, up. Now, who else in the Lone Star Conference? Uh, that would be schools like Tarleton State, okay. um, Texas A&M, Kingsville, uh, Eastern New Mexico, okay. kind of small Division II schools, mm-hmm. A&M Commerce, the old East Texas State, uh, schools like that. They're all from Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, okay. and... Um, then got picked up uh, in the Sun Belt Conference, and and from there went to the the American Athletic Conference, the old Big East Conference, and then from there to the uh, to the SEC. It, they seem like just regimented, you know, one or two year jumps, but the journey was um, was almost thirty years. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not something that you think is a is a five or ten year process. It's just a long journey. But not really anything you could plan out that I would not see really. myself someday being a part of this three man crew yeah. in Birmingham. No, this this was a a, a plan of God that I, <laughs> I I I couldn't have drawn this yeah, up. There, sure. There's no way. In fact, I think of all the things that I wanted to do in officiating. This was not on any of my plans. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about the guys on the field because you did that many years. Um, What was your biggest challenge at doing that? Was just the physicality of it? Because I see you guys running and all that. Um, That's that's probably the biggest challenge now, Ann, is is the physical nature of it because the game has changed so much offensively. So um, now uh, these schools play hurry up offenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they score a lot of points. Uh, they, they don't huddle. Um, they go very, very fast. Mm. And um, the average official now will run anywhere from four to seven or eight miles in a given three and a half hour football game. Really? Yeah. We would, um, in the later years of my career, we had to get very um, in-depth physicals. And part of those physicals, mm-hmm. we would uh, wear uh, Fitbits on our wrist to, to measure our steps and mm-hmm. the amount of uh, length of running that we would do. And I remember one game in particular at Houston. Um, we opened there Labor Day weekend, and I ran 6.8 miles, and it was 131 degrees on the field. Oh, my gosh. It was a noon kickoff, yeah, Labor Day weekend. So uh, I don't oh miss I don't miss that uh, <laughs> in, in the uh, in the video center now. But uh, the hardest part now is is the physical aspects of it. Travel oh, is yeah. tough. Uh, mm-hmm. The rules are hard. Uh, you have to stay you know abreast of all of the 
there are 600 rules in a stupid football rule book, and there's 200 <laughs> exceptions to those 600 rules. So and you when, have to know them all. When there's controversy, um, that that happens. Yeah. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of things that you have to keep up with, but the physical nature of the game, we have to keep up with the players. And you know, an official doesn't get a break. You know, we don't we don't get a uh, a, a break in between series where the you know if the offense you know punts and they get off the field, they get to sit They're down sitting for and 10 drinking or 15 minutes. Gatorade or whatever. That's right. yeah. We're still on the field. You're still out there. So. I hadn't really thought about that, to be honest with you. I remember uh, in hearing you speak to a, a ladies' group that um, you you got stepped on every once in a while. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of trash talk and stuff going on between these players, and you're right in the thick of it, huh? Yeah. Uh, I, I often get asked, you know, have I ever gotten hurt in yeah. officiating? And, and luckily, I, I never got seriously hurt. Uh, the, the one, you know, the one or two minor Issues that that did ever come up were regarding trying to break up scuffles mm. oh, yeah, between right. linemen. Um, amazingly, when <laughs> when three hundred pounds are blocking on three hundred pounds, some emotions can come out. Yeah, and uh, you know, as an official in the middle of the field, I would have to break up a lot of fights. And again, I'm a lot less than three hundred pounds, and so <laughs> I got stepped on a couple times. Oh, wow. And the hardest part is when you, when, yeah, they're, they're inch and a half cleats and you get stepped on and it's inevitably it's when it's 25 or 26 degrees oh. and it's just not very comfortable when you get stepped on by 330 oh pound lineman. Uh, okay. So I, I think most people are familiar. There are different flavors of officials on the field. You have different little letters on your back and right. one of the guys got the white hat. Let's you did the white hat thing. I was a white hat, yeah, for many, many years. And then what is that, the role of that person? The referee is is the crew chief. <clears throat> mm-hmm. so, so he is the ultimate one in charge. Uh, he meets with the coaches. He makes the final decisions if there's ever um, uh, something that is of controversy within the crew. Uh, he's responsible for penalty enforcement. Obviously, he turns on the microphone and makes all the announcements. Uh, oh, the, so that's the guy. That's, that's always the, the guy. That's that, the R. Mm-hmm. He's got the R on the back mm-hmm. of his uh, shirt, and uh, he's got the white hat. We call him the white hat or, mm-hmm. the, or the crew chief. And the referee is the one that's ultimately responsible for not only the game but for the crew. You know, mm-hmm. If there's a crew issue, if you know a member is struggling you know, either off the field or on the field, um, he's responsible for, in college, there's eight members and two replay officials. He's responsible for the crew. You travel every week. It's your little fraternity of, of, of guys for 14, 15 weeks out of the year. And you really get to know somebody when you travel um, 14 weeks out of a year. And the referee is responsible for that. Mm-hmm. So how would you know what game you were going to do? How, I, because you say you've traveled all over yeah, the country. Good. Do you have like a the whole season lined up? So at the beginning of the year, you get your first four to five weeks assigned okay. to you. So you don't get all 15 weeks given to you. Mm-hmm. you give, uh, you're given by the coordinator of officials of your conference. Uh, ours is in the SEC. Their, their officials get the first four to five weeks given to them. And we're not allowed to tell anybody. Uh, we, 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 so why is that? Well, I, I think in, in this day and age, with all that is going on with um, gambling, with points, 
with the uh, with the increase in in being able to gamble online. Uh, we just don't want in the in in college football for there to be the perception or the possibility mm-hmm. of talking to somebody and discussing the aspect of gambling. And so mm. the other thing is you just don't want somebody making a comment off the record. Well, you know, Chuck is at Alabama this week or Chuck is at, you know, LSU this week. You, you just don't want that to get out. So my family mm. knows where I am. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, so they, they know where to get in touch with me. But yeah. um, Did they travel with you some? They do some. Yeah. I usually – you know, two or three weeks out of every year, they'll yeah, go fun, with me. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. They, they enjoy traveling. For all bowl games, I, I, I take them just about to all of those. Oh, good. When you get a bowl game. You don't get a bowl game every year, but if you get a, a bowl assignment, I would try to take them to all of those. Mm-hmm. And So, so did fun. you did you get a bowl game this year? So this year, um, I worked the SEC championship game. That was my postseason assignment. Uh, oh. The first Alabama Georgia game was, yeah. was my assignment. Yeah, so the last one turned out differently. The last one had a different outcome. Yeah. That is correct. Well, that's why so they play them, as I, they say. That's right. That's why they. That's why they <laughs> get on the field and play. So my postseason assignment was the was the uh, first SEC championship game. Okay, very good. Well, we're going to talk more in depth when we come back after a break about what exactly you do in that uh, conference center, multi million dollar room that it is. We'll be right back. And we're back with Chuck Lewis, who is a Waco man, local business executive, works for a bank. Well, tell me a little bit about your day job, since we have a chance. Sure. So uh, I've worked for 36 years uh, for Wells Fargo. Uh, actually started one block away from the studio that we're in now. Uh, fresh out of college, 20 years old, uh, at First National Bank. Yeah. And through the successions of ownerships, uh, Uh, We're now Wells Fargo, and I am a senior financial advisor um, in the investment division for Wells Fargo. Very good. So if you're interested, you can get in touch with him about that. But what we're talking about today is your work at the Collaborative Instant Replay Center located in Birmingham, Alabama, for the SEC. Now, you went to Baylor, so there was the way your career path in officiating went, those no chance of being in I think Dallas is where the Big 12 has their center yeah Big 12 has uh, their video center in uh, in Dallas where their conference office is and I could have gone you know that direction if the fortunes would have lined up I, mm-hmm. I would just not have been able to call any Baylor games right so, so as a result they're very meticulous about you not in fact you you said uh, that your son is thinking about going to Arkansas that's correct And if he does, he does. I'm out on the Arkansas games. Yeah. So they absolutely will not let you. They will need be involved. One of my colleagues to work (laughs) all the Arkansas games. Okay. So again, calling on your your speech to a ladies group that I was at, and it was kind of funny because I'm not that really into football. I mean, I followed a little bit, but one of my lady friends in the in the group said. I live for Saturdays. <laughs> she was hilarious. And there are a lot of people who absolutely yeah. live for Saturdays. And um, so once you got started, I was just all in. That was the most fascinating thing to hear about what you do there in Birmingham because you told us that most of the time the calls are right on the field. It's yeah. a very small percentage of calls that you guys have to look at and go, this is how it is. It's interesting. They have gone back and done 
meticulous statistics on correct calls versus incorrect calls versus missed calls. So, so one that we didn't call that we should have called. Should have called. And when you look at a football game, an average football game is between 180 and 200 plays. The officials on the field, on average, get 96% of those 200 plays correct. Mm-hmm. Now, the challenge is that we want to get 200 out of 200 right. correct. And those four, on average, that we miss can be big, 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 mm-hmm. big calls. And so um, that is uh, one of the reasons why there is now video centers, a collaborative replay in some of the Power Five, the major conferences out there. Uh, they have the resources to put together uh, rooms that have the equipment that, uh, and the feeds necessary to, to get them instantaneously from the games. And uh, that's, uh, um, that's where video centers now come into play. So describe, there, there are three of you, and you're each in charge of a different game? That's correct. So because they're happening simultaneously, I guess, in a given conference. In a given conference. Um, give you the examples in the SEC. So mm-hmm. there are um, games going on all day long from mm-hmm. 11 o'clock until 7 o'clock, right. kickoff times. And um, there are 14 teams in the SEC. So some weekends early, there could be 14 games on a yeah. given Saturday if they all played a non-conference team. Uh, there could be seven if they all played each other. So, so in in a given Saturday, there's different um, amounts of games that we have mm-hmm. to work. We're each assigned a game given a different time frame, and we work our game. And I'm on a headset with the stadium, with the replay officials at the stadium, and we're talking on every play. You know, take a look at this. Let's let's clear targeting. Did he step on the line? Get a right end zone camera. Get a left end zone so camera. So whether or not they they stop and go, the play is under review, which is, does that mean it's automatically going to you in Birmingham? Yeah. When 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 they stop the game uh, at the stadium, then, then automatically we go into high alert. Mm-hmm. And then all three of us will be looking at that play. So they'll stop what they're doing. And they will come over and look at my really? play. Really? Okay. I, I so call more them. eyes checking more eyes. it out. There, so there's there's uh, two at the stadium and three in Birmingham that mm-hmm. are that are collaborating on making the final decision in the replay. So for four percent of the time, <laughs> you you've got this multi million dollars worth of equipment. Now where are are these feeds? These video feeds because we see a lot of them at home, but that's ABC or CBS or whoever's broadcasting the game, they've got their cameras. You see those camera angles too? We get all of those camera angles, Mm -hmm. plus we get um, any stadium cameras that that are there for coaches or schools. And so um, we we generally have between 7 and 12 camera angles at every stadium that we can look at. So um, you can't hide, as we say. We, we can pretty much see just about every angle there is. Sometimes we don't get a perfect view 
but we get some angle on every single play. Mm-hmm. And then the ability to stop it and go frame by frame really helps you to... That's what's different now is that you can stop it, you can speed it up, you yeah. can slow it down, and, and you can you can enlarge the view. So if we have a very close, tight sideline play where maybe a guy stepped on the line yeah. or maybe he stepped on an inline in the end zone, all those uh, all those images can now be enlarged and and we can see we can see specks of grass on, on the field now <laughs> really? so it's it's really it, it is amazing where you know we all talk about in all of our works of life how technology has changed everything that we do mm-hmm. it has changed football and it has changed football officiating so okay so the uh, how long have you been doing this particular aspect of Four the job? Four years now. So Four this, years yes, you've been. So. How long you've planned to keep doing it? Just well, that's a good question. Having a, having a good uh, time with it? You, 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 you choose one year at a time. Yeah, okay. And, uh, and nobody's I'm sure on it's a had an impact contract. on your family life. It does. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, in the fall, um, you're, right. you're away a lot. Yeah. And uh, you, you have to juggle a lot of things. Yeah. And so um, you... you you have to have a very understanding family. You have to have a very understanding wife. Yeah. Um, and they have been wonderful at supporting me of this. And I could not do it without a supporting family. Yeah. It just doesn't work. How much longer I'll do it? You, you take it year to year. Yeah. I, I think the, the challenge is um, the travel, um, the, the, the being in a hotel, uh, being on an airplane, COVID mm-hmm. has changed everything. Oh yeah. At some point, this will um, this will run its course. Yeah. Uh, but 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 uh, I like it now, and it keeps me it keeps me young. It keeps me sharp mentally as much as I'm physically. sure. Uh, because I'm sure. the rules are really a challenge, and you have to know the rule immediately. You can't. Say well, you know, give I me. I gotta go look this up. Let me up. look this up. <laughs> you, you have to know it right then, and yeah. you can't be wrong. In our job, mm. I always tell people there is no margin for error. Yeah, I, I've used a silly analogy, but it's like a, a plane that that the cockpit fills up with smoke. We have to land the plane, and we've got about a minute. Yeah, I wondered what your airplane time frame is. Yeah, it's interestingly we have a um, we have a clock. That goes on as soon as we stop the game, and we always say at a minute twenty, uh-huh. let's come to a decision. Yeah. And if we can't okay. get a good angle or or come to a final decision at a minute twenty, then whatever the ruling on the field, we're probably just going to go with that. So when mm-hmm. a lot of times when you hear the ruling on the field stands, it's not a cop out. It's just that we could not find an angle to change to change it. what they called on the field. Okay. So they were right. They were part of that 96%. That's part of the 96. <laughs> and that they got it right. Um Okay, so let's talk about some of those nuances. I mean, my question when you spoke to our group was pass interference because I do not get why sometimes it is and sometimes yeah. it's not and you said um it's missed a lot. Yeah. Um, but it but you said it was not a reviewable well, in, in, in my chair, it's not reviewable. Yeah, so I thought that was fascinating. when they throw that call on the field, uh-huh. it's pass interference. Okay. Sometimes, and there'll be another official that sees it mm-hmm. and will come over and they'll say, You see that? Hey, Bob, I saw it 
and he had a good angle at it, and there wasn't any uh, Im- impeding of the receiver. I think you should take it off. I think you should pull that call off. Oh. So you'll see them change their call, but it's not replay that's changing okay. that call. But yeah, uh, uh, there are certain things in a football game that aren't reviewable, and mm-hmm. pass interference, holding, offsides, uh, you know, a lot that's of That's usually those, pretty clear. That's usually easy. Yeah, false starts. <laughs> I could call that. <laughs> uh, but, but some of the things, you know, holding is um, in the eyes of the beholder. Yeah. Uh, really? Uh, those are not reviewable calls. Okay, so the one we're hearing so much more about now is targeting. Targeting. That is reviewable. Uh, targeting is always reviewable, actually. So mm-hmm. if, if targeting is called on the field it is immediately reviewed. Mm-hmm. So we stop a game because yeah. the, the, the the punishment for that is severe. You're, you're, yeah. you're disqualified player, from the game. Yeah. And you possibly are disqualified for one half of the next game yeah, it's if a big it occurs deal. in the second half. So we look at all targetings, and we take a really um, sharp eye of targeting. If we're at a minute 20 and we're not sure, we may go a little bit longer okay. because the punishment is so severe. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Targeting is tough. Uh, There is a set of rules for targeting that specifically talk about a defenseless player and specifically talk about using the crown of the helmet. Yeah, it's the part of the head that they hit with. That's correct. That that makes the difference. That makes the difference. And if Hmm. they use that to attack with forcible contact, then it's targeting. Well, there are various definitions that I can say that he's attacking and you may say that he's really not attacking. Or I may say that's forcible contact and you say that's really not forcible contact. So there are still some subjective um, parts of targeting that make it a difficult call for, for, for guys on the field to make yeah. and for then us in, in instant replay to mm-hmm. confirm and so the good thing about targeting now is they've changed. You, you can't just stands a call in targeting. So you either have to overturn the targeting or you confirm it. If, if you're not sure, if, if, if you're not sure that it's targeting, then we overturn it right. and let the, and let the, the person keep playing. Err er, er on the side of the player. Of the player. That, yeah. That's been accused, I guess. It, it is interesting that, that <laughs> that's probably the biggest play that will come into uh, question in the off season. So, so rules right. are all looked at in the off season, and every two years, um, they are they are thoroughly scrubbed, and mm-hmm. targeting will be uh, heavily scrutinized in the next two months as they review the yeah. rules. Okay, so in your experience, what what has been one of the top questionable, controversial calls? <laughs> well. Um, when you uh, when you make a questionable call, they all become controversial, <laughs> yeah. depending on which team you're 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 yeah. in. I, I think the biggest ones are, are are generally fumble and then and then catch no catch. Th- those are the toughest ones. Mm-hmm. There, um, specific ones. Um, you make so many of them that. One of them doesn't really stand out more than the more than the yeah. other, but but I know that um, you know when, when you're calling back a touchdown on a fumble, uh, oh. that that uh, is a big, huge play. Um, 
they stand out. I, I, I remember a situation two years ago where we, uh, we called back a play in, a, in an SEC game, and uh, it, was, it was controversial. We, we had to call it back, but, but it was controversial. And the, the next day on Sunday, my wife handed me her iPad and said, um, have you heard what they're saying about you on Twitter? And, and I'm not on Twitter. I'm not yeah, on right. Facebook. I don't, I, don't, I don't look at it. I, mm-hmm. I've got thick skin, and <laughs> I, I get criticized every, every Saturday. She said, well, you may want to look at this one because there's, um, there's a lot going on here. And so she handed me the iPad, and for one call, there was 2,500 comments <laughs> from SEC fans in, in one call. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's part of the territory. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just part of the job. We, we are going to get questioned. We will always get questioned. Yeah. But you know that. You know that going in. And if you, if you can't handle that scrutiny, this is not a chair for you to sit in. <laughs> well, it's been wonderful to have you here to talk about this. I just think it's fascinating and, a, and an aspect of a football game that maybe a lot of folks hadn't really thought about what all is involved for uh, you guys who and gals. Very I'm much sure, so. there's some female colleagues out there too. More and, and more each year. Yeah, and so it's it's delightful, and so we're looking forward to the next football season. Thank you so much, Chuck Lewis, Thank for you. being with us. Central Texas Living is part of the Rogue Media Network family. Be sure to check out their other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate us five stars on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Living, the podcast. business while managing a family? Are you tired of trying to balance home and work and everything seems to be coming up short? Then there's a podcast made just for you. Baking Your Business from Scratch is where we create the perfect recipe for building a successful business while managing your home and family with love. Come join us and see for yourself. This has been a Globe Media Network Podcast.